0: officially the weekend and that means it's time for another Bengals listener questions episode courtesy of cincyjungle.com and the orange and black insider Bengals podcast i'm anthony kazenza he's john sheeran happy to have every one of you with us whether you're joining us via the orange and black insider youtube channel whether it's via cincyjungle.com or if it's on cincyjungle.com's facebook page we are kind of streaming on all of those areas so Get us your questions. We've got a lot queued up. Get us your questions. We will get to those. Uh, We will get to as many as possible as we kick off the football weekend here. You can also get to us, get your questions to us on the live chat via Facebook and YouTube. You can send them to us on the comment thread on cincyjungle.com. There is a post up with this live stream going. And you can get them to us via Twitter at BengalsOBI.com via email, theobinsider at gmail.com, or if you want to call or text us, 949-542-6241. Get to us. We'll we'll be here for a little bit, answering as many questions as possible. If you are unable to join us live, we miss you, but try and join us live when you can. Um, But if you just cannot, this episode, along with a myriad of other Bengals podcasts that are part of the SB Nation, Cincy Jungle Podcast Network, is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Megaphone, YouTube, CincyJungle.com, all that. We got the house cleaning stuff out of the way, John. You ready, man? We've got a, we've got a lot to get to, and uh, it's been a whirlwind, probably 24, 48 hours, both of Bengals news and of NFL news, right?
1: It's a, it's a classic news dump Friday, man, but unfortunately, all that dumped last night. I'm, I did not see it, but I'm kind of glad I didn't.
0: You ever you ever swung a, a empty football helmet or something or a, a motorcycle helmet at somebody? Or you ever done you know, that? No. Not not a, not another human human being. I
1: can't say <laughs> I have. No.
0: Oh boy, that was that was an ugly one. Shades of Pittsburgh, Cincinnati.
1: That's what I'm saying, man. It's it's rare to see that stuff, but it, it not involving the Bengals when the Steelers are playing. But Steelers are the common denominator here, which is a whole other thing.
0: That's that's kind of my. I mean, I, this is a Bengals podcast, so I don't want to, you know, take too long on just some thoughts. But it is dominating the news cycle, so we got to touch on it a little bit. Um, and obviously, you and I both were tweeted at over the last, you know, twelve plus hours about this situation. So I feel like we got to talk about it a little bit. My, I mean, Miles Garrett's in the wrong. Mason Rudolph's in the wrong for kind of starting it. Uh, Marquis Pouncey's in the wrong for kicking a guy in the head while he's on the ground being tackled by another Steelers player. But like you said, the common denominator of all this stuff is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Miles Garrett did something egregious. Um, and just, I've just never really witnessed that in all of the football games that I've watched. Um, so he deserves to get punished. I think now his what was it an indefinite suspension as we sit here Friday afternoon, right? Is that.
1: Yeah. Not only for the rest of the season, but they said the postseason, you know, the, the four and six Browns, if they somehow make the postseason, but yeah, it's, it's, it's where we're at.
0: Well, you didn't watch the game on Thursday night. And if you did, neither of those teams are postseason worthy. So it's probably going to be just the regular season for the miles, Garrett, but Ugly situation. My my thing that I find, I mean, it's not funny what happened, but the thing that is comical about it is how often the Pittsburgh Steelers have done this to other teams. Not the not the helmet swing per se, but the head hunting hits. Mike Mitchell was notorious for it. James Harrison, Joey Port. the the list goes on and on and on and on. Someone else does it to them. They fly off the handle, and woe is me, where the victim, where the victim. To me, both parties were very. Responsible for the situation that occurred, and they—they um, they all need to kind of get punished. It
1: sounds like they will, on some levels, but uh, ugly. I mean, the, Steelers, the Steelers are serving a punishment that Mason Rudolph didn't get suspended. He's still starting a quarter from them, so right. He's just getting fined. So, um, ugly, ugly
0: deal. Uh, not a fan of either one of those teams. Full disclosure, and both of those teams were laying out some pretty ugly hits throughout the duration of the game. So. Not surprising that it kind of culminated. Uh, surprising h- how much it boiled over, but not surprising that some form of a brawl occurred based on, um, based on kind of the how that, how that game went. Let's move on. We've got a lot of questions on this particular topic. John, I think you wrote at least a little bit of a news story on this for CincyJungle.com. The Bengals. Sound like they will be one of, now, first it was every team. Then it got whittled down to 11 teams, it sounds like, are going to be in attendance. It sounds like the Bengals will be in attendance for Colin Kaepernick's Saturday workout. Um, Talk a little bit about that, as well as you think the likelihood of him ending up in Cincinnati in the near future based on their attendance at this event. Well,
1: all right. The whole thing with Kaepernick is that it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Bengals themselves to sign him. And I'm not saying that because like the Bengals do need help at quarterback, but not this particular type of help. I think Kaepernick should have his choices of potential suitors because I do think he can still play in this league. And I do think he can still positively contribute as whether as a starter or a backup player. But I think with the Bengals specific case, they made the decision to bench Andy Dalton to see what Ryan Finley can do for them. And I think now backtracking that and on signing Kaepernick kind of goes against what, what we assume that their plan is, I, I do think that a, a team like the like the Bills or the the Bears or the Panthers or, or even the Steelers for that matter are definite better fits for Kaepernick because again like those teams not only need quarterback help but they're also in contention for the playoffs this year. Bengals now at at zero and nine probably going to be zero and ten at the end of this weekend. There's no real point in really signing Kaepernick, but at the at the same time, there's nothing. Like the Bengals signing Kaepernick doesn't mean that they're not going to address the quarterback position in the offseason either. So it's not like those two things counteracted with each other. It's just that the for the Bengals specific case, I understand why they wouldn't be specifically interested in Kaepernick, even though he would give the Bengals a better a better you know player at quarterback to really evaluate the rest of the offense compared to Ryan Finley. But at the same time, this is the plan and you got to stick with it. And I don't think Kaepernick's sudden availableness can really change that plan.
0: Right. Uh, So good, good idea or bad idea. I mean, to me, this, this seems this is a season that has not endeared the fan base back to the team, right? This is Mm -hmm. a very polarizing move. There are some people who would love to see him play for the Cincinnati Bengals, love to see him get his second chance in the NFL with the Bengals. Many others are divided and just say, you know, it's too much of a distraction in a year where the injuries, the coaching staff, the all kinds of issues that have already plagued the team in 2019. They don't need the potential media circus that would come with a Kaepernick signing. Um, There's logic to both. What good idea, bad idea. Um, You know, I think, I think I know what you're going to say, but like, I I,
1: I, think we're way past the the point of of it being of like a distraction. I know there's, there's definitely, Definitely, people who don't like Kaepernick, I guess, for what he stands for, and basically, there no one's no one's minds are going to change at this point. And the whole timing of this is really weird because Kaepernick definitely wasn't a topical, you know, a topical subject at this point in the NFL season. He had the collusion, you know, agreement back in January, and he was basically forgotten about. But to do this all of a sudden, it, it doesn't exactly reek of like a sham from the NFL. It's just more of this is just incompetently putting. It all together, and they're, they're trying to stay face and control the narrative that they want Kaepernick to play, or whatever. But again, with the Bengals specifically, I don't think that they're just they're they I don't think that they are the team to give Kaepernick this chance. But I do think that he should be able to get a chance from another team that definitely needs him more. So, in terms of you know the level of goodness or badness for this for the Bengals, it's probably more towards the bad.
0: I mean, if you were looking at 2010, 2011, maybe even twenty twelve, this would be a move that the Bengals would make because they used to get those guys that were high profile players had some success in the league, maybe fell from grace, be it because they were injured because of off field incidents, because whatever the issue is, um, you know, Pac-Man Jones, Terrell Owens, they, they picked these guys up, Tank Johnson on the regular, right? Um, not grouping some of those off field legal issues in the same thing as what Colin Kaepernick comes with. It, obviously there's major differences there, but I, I think you understand what I'm trying to say when I when I bring that up. And I, I just think this isn't the right time for the Bengals and politics mm-hmm. aside. I mean, I, I think that this really, I, I think this is a regime that needs to start over with someone fresh, someone new in terms of a quarterback, just kind of clean slate the thing, get a new guy, a younger guy. This is Ka- Kaepernick's hasn't played what, two or three years now. Um, and the last couple of times you saw that he was up and down um, there's some athleticism there. There's some limitations there. Who knows? He could come back in the league if, if it does happen and do the Michael Vick thing that occurred in Philadelphia, or he could come in and be nothing more than a backup and or guy that just kind of does what RG3 does for the Ravens, right? So um, I, I just don't see the logic in it for the Bengals, um, I, especially when you're staring at a high pick next year. I, I just, you know, I, I don't really see it. And I don't know how much more a guy who hasn't played in the league in two or three years gives you than some high-profile rookies next year or what they currently have on the roster. That's kind of where I stand. Um, but we've been asked about that a lot, so we kind of kind of felt the need to talk about it. John, you you queue one up next. I started us off with the first two. All
1: right, so we're going to go to the live Q&A comment section, nonsensejungle.com. The first one we're going to look at, is loyal to a fault. He's he's a known listener of the podcast and known reader of the site. He basically asked why wait so long to implement a new blocking scheme and how, you know, its effectiveness against the Ravens and the the Rams. So the the long and short of this is that for the first seven weeks, the Bengals were running primarily zone blocking with with, with the run game. And as you can see, it produced some all-time awful results. Uh, when asked about, you know, the revival of the run game o- over the past couple of weeks, uh, Brian Callahan basically said they started implementing some new, some more diverse blocking schemes and basically mixing in zone and manning and gap schemes with the overall balance of the offense. But why wait so long? I guess for me personally, like, this is a first-time head coach, a first-time offensive coordinator, an offensive line coach who's been out of the NFL for a, a couple of seasons now. It's not, you know, tremendously outlandish to say that they were in it over their head. And it takes time for these guys to pick things up. You know, like last year, you look at Frank Pollock and what he did with an even worse offensive line and how he was able to generate positive results for Joe Mixon. I think he figured that out, you know, very early on in the season where, you know, the strength of this offensive line isn't particularly, they're, they're not great athletes. They're not going to, dominating zone blocking comparative to gap and man blocking so something similar happened last year but very early on I think it just sp- speaks to the difference in experience in the coaching staff and the decision makers implementing these decisions I got a coaching staff with Marvin Lewis Bill Lazor and Frank Pollock was able to pick up on this a lot quicker than Taylor Callahan and uh, Turner but the changes have been positive and I think we're going to see that going forward especially an offense that needs to basically carry rookie quarterback
0: yeah and look I mean this this year with the with the Bengals in the offensive line has been a a work in progress a see what you have and adjust on the fly because of the injuries because of the Cordy Glenn situation because of the Jonah Williams situation they've had to mix and match how they can and what they can they may have found that a a semblance of a five that they like in terms of who they have available to work with and they made some adjustments and it's been working last week I noticed John um, and by the way good good work on that write-up you had uh, regarding this this topic on Cincy Jungle. But, uh, you know, there was also a lot of toss plays that, that were not, you know, outside pitches, sweeps, those were not part and parcel of the game plan early in the year, it seemed like. Like you said, it was more zone stuff, it was more kind of punch it up the middle and see what happens, and it just really wasn't producing results. And if you notice last year, the The last half of the season is really where Joe Mixon started to gain momentum as well. They started, you know, the offensive attrition in terms of injuries collected at that point in the season. So they said, we got to give the ball to Joe Mixon. Lo and behold, he gets the ball 20 carries plus a game, and he's putting up 100 plus yards a game. Uh, So that's really where he made the bulk chunk of his yardage to lead the AFC last year. I, think, I don't think it's going to be as effective to the end of this season, but it sure will be more effective than it was at the first half of this season. So um, I guess kudos in a way to the Bengals for making adjustments, but uh, still not near what the team needs for offensive balance. Speaking of offensive linemen, John, there was a question to us. I believe it was a text uh, just quickly. Uh, text from the 513 area code, what's really going on with AJ and Cordy Glenn? I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but since we were just talking about some of the issues on the offensive line, I figured we could go there. A lot of mixed messages, a lot of full practice, then no practice, or full practice, then not suiting up, and two of their better offensive players have not played in the past couple of weeks when it seemed like they may have been available.
1: Yeah. So the situation of Glenn right now is that for the past couple of weeks he has been practicing in full. He has been limited or missing practice at all. He's been going with the team. It's just been a cautionary tale from Zach Taylor and his staff, and basically easing Glenn back into the rotation. They didn't want to throw him back in. To the basically what we're going, what's going on this week is that um, either on and- or Andre Smith or John Jerry is going to start the left tackle again because again Taylor doesn't want to rush Glenn back back in there. And with green, like he's not hundred percent right now. And may- maybe if the Bengals were more competitive, if they were in a position to potentially make the playoffs down the road, may- maybe you-, you-, you see green back out there when he's not hundred percent, but at 0 and 9 with one year left on his contract, he-, he experienced some type of setback with his ankle injury. There's no reason for him thinking about himself in this situation to say, yeah, I want to go back out there. Like, no, just get, just get hundred percent healthy. And when he is hundred percent healthy, I do think Aj Green is going to end up playing, but right now, that's just not the case.
0: Green is not healthy. And when he did practice most recently, as, as I think you noted, John, I mean, he, his ankles, he reported it's, it's swelled up and, um, he's not ready. So whatever this issue was, it is far more severe than what was originally reported when he got the injury in training camp and the whole medical staff debate is continuing and, uh, you know, Unfortunately, it's it hasn't really uh, gone away. We've got a a call on the line. It's our it's our good friend Terrell, regular listener. How are you, buddy? How y'all guys
2: doing? we uh, uh, uh last uh Wednesday night show was a good one though. But uh for the record though, I was I was trying to say Alex Mantell, the quarterback, coach, oh. moving up as a <laughs> coordinator
0: when we when we talked last, yeah.
2: Uh, it's just my wife was on the other side of me. she had me nerves. And it's so funny about her is she's from Will when she's a Mark, a Mark
0: Jackson fan even though she's a Venice fan too. Well, uh, uh, she, yeah. I'll, but
2: but the main thing I wanted to say was just I, we, we need some ballers. We need some big names to fill up the spans We need some goons or some warfighters on defense and offensive line. And Burl, uh, Burl Tua. And I just... And just, I just hope uh, I'm not gonna place a lot of blame on that. But it just everything just went bad all in one year.
0: So and you you bad. you have it down to Burrow and Tua, right? That's that's what you. I mean, I think most people Burrow, do at this Tua point. And, and some uh,
2: just a rough, just some rough rider goons on defense and, and offensive line that just just you know what I mean, just want to put some fear in some people. And, and and um and some playmakers too.
0: Ter- Terrell, did you ter- Terrell, did you watch the the Browns Steelers game last uh, on Thursday night? Yes, yes. Okay, did you happen to see both Devin Bush and Mac Wilson making plays last night? You,
2: you, but not, not even that though. I'm I'm mad that Nick Fitzpatrick and and just midseason season guys is making a turnaround. Just just making a turnaround on teams and just this uh balling right now and that, that's just and, and, and uh and also burst just just the way he fly around to the ball it just it, it just it just makes you be like wow what, what, what is admins doing? what is what is
0: doing? yep yeah well good talking to you with you terrell uh, uh keep keep in contact about. with us buddy well we're gonna we're gonna talk okay. about some of the stuff that you brought up off the air thanks for calling um you know there's there's a lot there and a lot that i i could, you know, I could take his comments in a lot of different directions. And I I like what he said, John, but I want to go back. We talked about this on Wednesday when it comes time, you know, I think we were talking about this with, you know, the quarterback evaluations. We talked about it with the trade scenarios when we, when we brought up that topic on Wednesday, the ticket sales, man, this team needs to get exciting players and they need to nail the draft. Uh, I mean, especially if they're if they're if that's where they're going to continue to put the eggs in the basket. They need to get high-impact guys, energetic guys, guys that will put butts in seats. I mean, that's that's got to be one of their main goals this offseason is
1: how do we get the fans back? The easiest way to do that is to get a quarterback, but to Terrell's point, we need this team needs a lot of pieces. And unfortunately, unless they go balls to the wall in free agency, it's probably not going to happen in one year. So there's a lot, of, a lot of thoughts and a lot of plans to really aggressively rebuild this team in one year through the draft by trading down and accumulating picks. And that's all fun and games and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you're right. They, they just need impact players and they need a complete overhaul of this roster. And it's just not going to happen in one year. But, like we said, the quickest way to turn around this team is to get an improvement at the quarterback position. Like you said, the quick, quickest way to sell tickets to, re, to, re, to re-energize hope in a fan base is to get new hope at the most important position. So there is a definite, definitely an understanding about getting as many positive players as possible one year. But at the same time, it's probably not going to happen all in one year. So you just have to take what, what really comes to you.
0: I... Uh... Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, last night, I don't, you said you didn't mention the, you didn't watch the game, but Mac Wilson made a couple of very nice plays, really getting some uh, extended playing time because of the injury to Christian Kirksey. Um, And then obviously Devin Bush continuing to make some plays. So the Bengals, Bush, Bush was one thing, but uh, they, you know, Mac Wilson lasted to the fifth round and that's a guy they could have had. Not saying he's an impeccable pro, but definitely a guy who was intriguing, especially when he was sitting there on day three, you would think that would be a position the Bengals would have addressed. I've got a text coming through John, but you go ahead and tee up the next one since I took that call there.
1: All right. So we got from the since the jungle comment section from Buckeye Rick. He said, basically his, per- we're talking about Preston Brown, his performance aside, some have speculated that the timing of Brown's release in midseason was to save money. Do you believe that to be the primary case for his being released now? I'm going to say no, because if it had to do with financially for positive reasons, they probably would have done this in the offseason when they didn't incur five and a half million dollars in dead money. If they had released Preston Brown after the season, when that signing bonus is basically paid off, they would have only paid, I think, 1.6 mil against the against the cap in terms of dead money. So financially, it would have made more sense to actually wait um, for the end of the season when they were going to do potentially an A.J. Green extension and a Trey Hopkins extension and all their other work in free agency. I think they released him now because he just wasn't getting the job done on the field and off the field. Zach Taylor talked about a lack of leadership in that position group. And I think most eyes were pointing towards Preston Brown's way to spark that leadership. And that basically didn't happen. And when you don't step up, apparently in Zach Taylor's team, you're out the door quicker than when Marvin Lewis is here. Yep.
0: That is definitely a trademark for better or for worse with Zach Taylor. Well, we got a call on the line, John. And, um, the it's it's greg and greg actually was he's saving me a little bit of work because uh he was the text message that came through i'm really interested to to hear what he has to say if it if it has to do with the question that he he put through the 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 text message greg are you there Hey, hey what's going on man not much i was just coming at it with a little bit different opinion of uh through the past quarterback that we have drafted with Carson Palmer and Andy
2: Dalton, bringing them in as rookies. Okay. And each time so far, it doesn't seem to be panning out. Like, just throwing our rookies right in there, right off the bat. Seems like they're getting disappointed and we're not focusing on other areas that we could be focusing
0: on. So in your text message, you noted a potential strategy to, okay. to. it sounded like, draft a, draft one of these top guys let Andy Dalton start next year, groom the guy behind him, and kind of a, a Kitna Palmer type of situation, almost a mentorship type of thing. Is that is that what you were kind of saying? Yeah, and now also allow lot more room for the
2: offensive line to grow, injuries to heal up, and more of a team to come in and fit. And lots of room for us to you know, draft defensive players as well, too, and maybe
3: find a couple of smaller free agents like Cincinnati's known for.
0: Interesting take. Uh, thanks for calling, Greg. I, I, we're gonna we're gonna discuss it off the air. Appreciate you calling in, man. Um, that's that's a strategy that has not been brought up a lot. And you know, I guess on the on the surface, some fans would kind of scoff at it because it's like, I'll start Dalton again in 2020. But there may be some merits, especially if the Bang if it's not a burrow at Tua. Maybe it's a guy that some perceive looks like a very good prospect. May need a little work if the Bengals hold off. Maybe they trade back and get a Justin Herbert. Maybe they wait till the top of the second round, like they did in Andy Dalton, and get an Eason a Fromm, somebody like that. And they need them to groom for a year. I don't know. What do you think about that plan? I mean, I know, I know, we keep saying quarterback number one, quarterback number one, quarterback number one. But is there, you know, maybe you get an offensive tackle early, you wait till the second round, and you still have Dalton. I don't know. Is there some merit or logic there that could? Makes some sense.
1: So that that's like the positive spin on it. And what Greg was really trying to say was just make Andy Dalton the sacrificial lamb because I, I think that's what I think that's what they have Ryan Finley for now. Like basically the way that they handled the Dalton situation, he's practically out the door anyways in 2020. And hey, Ryan Finley, you're still here. Why don't you take the hits for this offense line that's still being rebuilt? So we don't destroy our quarterback in, in year one. If that is the plan, I think they're going to do that with Finley. They could actually just throw out the rookie quarterback week one and let him make the mistakes because as we've seen in in years past rookie years for quarterbacks aren't really indicative on future success for their for their particular careers so if that's the plan i think it's probably going to be with finley rather than dalton and if it is with dalton i would if i were him i would only be more pissed cuz i i i can read read between the lines what the bengals are actually doing in that situation
0: right and and uh look we've been labeled as uh, you know by some as dalton haters or whatever else fine that's the, i don't believe that to be the case i've mentioned a ton of times that I like Andy Dalton, the man. I've liked Andy Dalton, the quarterback, at some times as well. But the the truth is they're not winning playoff games. They haven't had a winning season in four, you know, now four years with him as, for the majority of the time, the quarterback. So um, the team deteriorated around him. We all know that. He now is upset. He doesn't like how he was treated. You've got this big salary for next year on the books, but you can cut it without any dead cap space i'm kind of like you know what it's time like i said earlier it's time for a fresh start it's time to move on maybe trade him get something for him and then you use that draft pick for an ancillary piece to to add to the pile i don't i don't think the dynamic this time around with an andy dalton who thinks he should be a, a starter and and all of that and you bring in a, a young guy right behind him to for him to groom. Dalton thinks he's got a lot of football left in him as an NFL starter. He may be right about that. I, I don't see that dynamic being nearly as effective as the Kitna Palmer was. Uh, Kitna Palmer dynamic was years and years ago. So that's just my take. We've got another call on the line. Uh, I believe it. The caller is Dave. Dave, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Que- question for you. What do you think about? Take
3: Tua or Burrow in the first, and then with our second round pick, we trade back up into the first for an offensive lineman or linebacker.
0: Uh, well, it would. I think that sounds great, uh, especially if there is somebody there that you know can immediately help you. I think it depends on the cost because, as we discussed, um, as we discussed on this Wednesday's episode. You know this. This team's got a lot of holes. Um, it's not just a quarterback away, and and I think that's why the trade back scenario that we discussed was was brought up. I like the idea of trading back up, and, and I do like the idea, Dave. Of um, I, I do like the idea of trading back up because that's not something the team traditionally does. And what happens is when they stay put, they get leapfrogged by other teams that get these immediate impact guys and the Bengals kind of sit there and, well, we will take the best guy that's left. Well, a lot of times the best guy that's left is a drew sample. Uh, A lot of times the guy that is left are are kind of the lesser guys that maybe don't play a position that you readily immediately need um, going forward. We're going to, I'm going to let John answer your question off the air too, though, Dave, appreciate you calling in. You're from Canada, right? I am. Cool. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, dude. Hey, no, thank you. Appreciate it. John, your thoughts on the trade back up into the first? My my thing is I'm for it, but what's the cost? Like if it's going right. to cost you a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, that that are still high picks, that's risky. If it's a lot of day 3 stuff or stuff maybe a year or two down the road, then, you know, do it.
1: So there's two ways of looking at this. And hypothetically speaking, let's just say that the Bengals have only seven picks in this draft. Let's say they're, they're not able to trade Dalton and whatever. They just have the seven picks at the top of the draft. Even if they nail like five or six of those guys with high impact players who can contribute from day one, the holes on this roster are still not going to be filled. They're still going to be a, pretty much a bad team. So in a, in a way, trading up and sacrificing a couple of picks from this year's draft isn't going to really change things much and really going to prevent them from being that much better of a team and the likelihood of them actually hitting on five or six of those picks and having those guys contributing in year one is also unlikely as well. So in a way I do, I do support getting the, the most impactful players possible and if training back in the first round for potentially the next best offensive lineman or linebacker to help you do that, I, I'm, I'm for it in that sense. And I, I don't think it's, it really prohibits you from being that much better or or, or or makes you that much worse compared to if you just stay back and keep all seven of your picks. It really depends on how they address the free agency because like it's it's unlikely, but they can somehow manage to salvage this roster if they go all out on free agency. But assuming that doesn't happen, they're going to have to use all their draft picks and the odds of them hitting on all those draft picks this year and getting high-impact players this year is probably not, probably not likely. So if you're yeah. able to get two or three guys compared to the chances of you hitting on five or six, that's probably not going to happen nope in a way, I do support that, but it really all depends on what your, you know, what what your overall hopes are for them hitting on this draft.
0: Right, and we've we've said this before because the Bengals put such a high emphasis on the draft and not barely at all in free agency. The need to have a high percentage hit rate on prospects is immense, and mm-hmm. they have had such a low yield of effective rookies and effective rookie classes. That that's why we're seeing this this streak of four straight losing seasons going forward here. The phone is blowing up. We've got people calling in on top of people calling in. We're trying to get to as many calls as possible. You guys are chatty today. I love it. Uh, we've got listener, I believe, uh, John from Kentucky. John, are you there? Hey, I'm here.
3: Yeah, thanks so much for taking my call. I'll make this quick because I know
0: you're pretty busy today. No, it's good to hear from you, man. Great. It's great to talk to you guys yeah uh, free agency
3: I just have a prediction I think that might change in the off season hmm. from what we've normally seen from the Bengals because this team is so far gone and attendance is so low I think Mike Brown's going to see the writing on the wall he's going to have no choice he's going to have to go after some free agents and uh You'll probably laugh, but that Browns game last night was the best game I've seen all season. That's just good AFC North football. If Miles Garrett is available in free agency next year, if I'm Mike Brown, I'd grab him in seconds because he does have tremendous football instinct. Something our defense is lacking without Von perfect. I mean, perfect was there every play. He just knew where the ball was going, and our great tacklers like. Pac-Man Jones, Fontaine's perfect, Reggie Nelson. Remember those guys? Those oh, yeah. guys tackled. So you know, uh, I, I think free agency might be something we do next year for real. That
0: is that is a uh, a good good point, at least on the free agency front. Because and and all uh, before you get off the air, I, I want to mention this because I know this will be music to your ears. There is a lot of big money, potentially dead weight money on this roster, Drake Kirkpatrick being one, and he was just IR'd today. Um, there is a lot of dead big time money on this, on this, on this team. If you shed an Andy Dalton contract, if you shed a Drake Kirkpatrick contract, if you shed some of these contracts off the books, all of a sudden you have even more room than the Bengals have usually had to play with in free agency. And that's why, uh, that we may see, um, we may see some movement there. Thanks for calling in, John. Uh, take it easy. John Sheeran, your your thoughts on what uh, John from Kentucky had to say.
1: I think he kind of nailed it right there because there is going to be some type of gutting of this roster, and, and there are going to be multiple guys who have multiple years left on their contracts who get cut. Drake Patrick could definitely be one of them. Andy Dalton is probably going to be one of them. If they only have seven picks to really rebuild this roster – and they and they cut a bunch of tenured veteran guys. We could see a, a higher acti- activity in free agency. I think that's extremely likely. Um, I, I think even this year they they had maybe bigger plans to do so, but they just got so constrained with time and they couldn't officially, you know, properly evaluate the whole rest of the roster. And they basically panicked with guys like Yuzoma, Preston Brown, and Bobby Hart. Not saying I'm not saying there's justification of those moves specifically, but I do think there could be an up, up, up increase in free agency because they do have to replace a lot of guys and a lot of guys that are, are going to get cut, so they can't really do that all with seven picks and however many undrafted free agents they have. So there could be an increase in free agency. I do see the point of that.
0: Yeah, and the other thing that a lot of people aren't, you know, with with the Miles Garrett portion of what he said, um, you know, I, I think with. Obviously, immense talent. He's shown the ability to be a, a very good defensive end in the league. The thing that was on display Thursday night was horrendous. And with Taylor's talk of character, character leadership, all that, I, I don't think one, you know, basically a few months after this was on film, if Garrett was to be somehow, oh yeah, cut, the, cut, I mean, Garrett's
1: not coming here. Yeah. he's not getting cut by the Browns either.
0: So. Right? He's he's not being cut. But I'm just saying, if for some reason he was to be made available. I, I don't. I don't know that that's the best PR move. Even though he could uh, potentially improve your football team, we've got another call on the line. Uh, I believe it's Jason. Jason, what's going on, man? Hey guys, uh,
3: thank you guys. I just want to call and say thank you for doing what you guys are doing. If we lose this week, it'll be twelve losses in a row. Which surprisingly would be the worst we've ever done in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, just thank you guys for giving us an outlet, and thank you guys for sticking with us. We certainly are going to stick with you guys, and I just wanted to call and say thank
0: you, guys. Well, that's nice. Appreciate it, man. I, I, we thank you for for listening and telling I mean, it. You know, you guys keep telling us. You know, it must not be easy doing this, doing a show when you're zero and nine, and uh, you know, uh, it's true, but. Uh, actually we've seen the show grow uh, really in terms of downloads and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's something to be marveled at. And we definitely appreciate that from listeners like yourself, Jason, because uh, you know, nobody likes, nobody likes an 0 and 9 season and you know, maybe even a winless season based on how things are going. So I appreciate you calling in and just and making a, a, a giving us a compliment, man. We, we, we appreciate all of our listeners, you included, and uh, have a good weekend, dude. Thank you.
3: Thank
0: all right, take it easy. Um, what you got? We'll get to maybe just a couple more. We're running a little long, like I said. The phone's been blowing up, and uh, luckily, it's been from a lot of familiar people, some people, some new people calling in, and uh, people giving us compliments. We'll, we'll take the ego strokes, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast via the Cincy Jungle Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us live, whether it's through the CJ Facebook page, the Orange and Black Insider YouTube page, the Cincy Jungle comment thread, any of that. We appreciate you tuning in live. We appreciate you submitting questions, comments, all that good stuff, and the interaction we're seeing with the comments here. Pretty cool. You can get this show if you're unable to join us live on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, on iHeartRadio. You can also get it on Megaphone, as I mentioned, YouTube and CincyJungle.com. John, let's maybe try and get to just a couple more that we've had. Some come our way. I don't know if you've identified one that you want to...
1: I have. Okay. All right. So we're going back to the comment section on CincyJungle.com from Bengals Fu. Well, okay. FU too, man. Uh, (laughs) How is our defense worse than what it was last year? Because the 2018 defense was historically awful. Well, my answer to that is what changed? What 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 really changed? It was it was yep. the defensive coordinator that changed. There was a couple of assistants, and they added Jermaine Pratt back in into the linebacking corps. That was about it. They added B. W. Webb to replace Darkwood Snark for a handful of games too. Nothing really changed. They did they didn't overhaul the defense enough in order to make a, a significant turnout. Now, granted, because of how bad they were last year, you would have expected to see some type of. Positive regression upwards. Couldn't you, get worse, right? Right, right. <laughs> but then they then you have to look at who they played this year. They played the San Francisco 49ers in week two. They played the Ravens twice. They played the Seahawks in week one. They played some really good offenses that have definitely ex- helped expose this team. Like e- even the Buffalo Bills had had ample success success against this defense. They haven't had really any games aside for maybe one or two that have you know been anything you know be- better than absolute golffulness. So nothing really changed, and they ended up playing really good offenses to start the season. So that's basically where we are. I think the really the defense
0: points to kind of the microcosm of of the team philosophy and the team failure of of their offseason philosophy going into 2019, which is, speaking as the front office, we think that if we're healthy, we can win. We have the roster right now, meaning going into 2019, that we can win if guys come back healthy – and we don't really need to make, you know, if we add a couple pieces in the draft, we have enough at all the critical spots to be, be a playoff contender. Well, they didn't stay healthy. And even when they were relatively healthy, they were not winning games. So that's you can't you can't base your plans on on health because guys get injured all the time in the NFL, no matter how confident you are in, in your roster and your ability to get talent in the draft. You can't do that. And like you said, the Bengals didn't do anything, really, to improve. They, they re-signed the linebacker that played only, what, six games for him last year in Preston Brown. They re-signed a dime quarterback in B.W. Webb. And they, they had got 11
1: snaps in a carry win, by the way, too. Yeah. 11 snaps, and Shaq Barrett is leading the league in sacks. Ring-a-ding-ding.
0: Ring-a-ding-ding. So, Ring-a-ding-ding. so uh, you know, I, that that's, that's why. Uh, time to bring up your favorite guy, because we got a text about him and there was a comment in the Cincy Jungle comment thread, old Jimmy Turner. Uh, we had Hexter in the comment thread saying, will Taylor fire Turner anytime soon? And via text from, from another 513 area code, uh, is Jim Turner the problem with the offensive line? So let's just kind of talk a little bit of Jim Turner because we just love – another guy we love to pile on here on this show. Uh, your thoughts on on that assistant coach and his effect on the team this year.
1: So, like, I still don't think he's that good of a coach, but I don't think he gets fired either during the season or next season because I think his relationship with Zach, Turner's, or Zach, Turner, Zach Taylor is pretty critical for him as well and the amount of influence he probably has – on the overall design and scheme of the offense is pretty significant. So I, I like I, I, there has been an improvement in, in the play of the offensive line. I think you have to credit Turner for that as well. Um, but but again just kind of kind of like the defense not much really changed positively in terms of personnel from the offense line standpoint. Not having Jonah Williams out there definitely hurts. They they really only have one or two competent guys there as starters and Trey Hopkins at center and John Miller right guard. They're getting the absolute most they possibly can. Out of Bobby Hart but every now every now again his his weaknesses show up and they have a, a revolving door left guard and they've had to try out John Jerry, their left tackle with like their fourth left tackle. So the situation has now been not optimal and there can be blame still placed on Jim Turner. And I definitely have some reservations with that as well, but I don't think necessarily with, with how it's slightly progressed this season and his relationship with, with Taylor, if Taylor's not going anywhere, I don't think Turner's going anywhere. For this season.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do think, though, that his presence is kind of cast a, a pall over the team. I, I just think that that was just not – and it's it's a symptom of the late start that Taylor got. It's a symptom of because of that late start, he wasn't able to necessarily get the, the assistant coaches that he initially, at the onset, wanted to bring in. Um I I, I don't know. I I think that that was not the greatest hire. And I think that, unfortunately, Zach Taylor was unable to get – the thing that made – that. well, part of what made Sean McVay successful, I think, at least early on, was he had a veteran defensive coordinator, one of the best defensive coordinators really to ever be in the league, uh, and Wade Phillips come over, and and he's got the veteran guy. And that guy also was a head coach in the NFL, not a great one, but – He was. He has head coaching experience. He could be a little bit of a mentor, even though he's underneath McVay. He could be a guy that McVay can lean on for coaching experience. Taylor did not really hire many guys like that. Brian Callahan, brand new in his position. Lou Anaruma, longtime coach, but never been a defensive coordinator beyond an interim guy in the NFL. Zach Taylor, first-time head coach himself. Jim Turner, basically offensive line coach really throughout his entire career. There's not There's not a Del Rio. There's not a Capers. There's not these guys on the staff where you go, okay, this is a, I can, I can use this guy as a little bit of a sounding board. I'm his boss, but I can, I can take off of that experience. And unfortunately that I think has really hindered this coaching staff. I think there's, there's a possibility that there could be some changes potentially a defensive coordinator and offensive line coach. I think Turner and Anarumo are probably the two most likely candidates to be replaced in the off season, but we'll see. Uh, aside from, uh, Davin Ward in the YouTube chat, complimenting John on his good looks there. Uh, any other, you see that Davin Ward?
1: Oh, I see it. You're you, cute,
0: you, you cute John, you cute. I, I must be ugly as sin, you know, I'm not getting the compliments.
1: So it's, it's all relative, dude. You're, you're next to me. So, yeah,
0: well, I know. Well, yeah. So then I, the, yeah. So I'm making you, this ugly mug is making you look super handsome.
1: You're more handsome than Randall back there. I'll give you that.
0: Okay. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to get? We, we're going really long, but it's been an awesome, right. awesome episode. Anything else you want to get to
1: before we jet out? Yeah. You know what? Uh, from from Dion, Dion DTS, can Zach get Callahan? And Callahan's referring to Bill Callahan, Brian Callahan's dad. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's actually an interesting point because there was reports last year that Taylor was interested in hiring Bill Callahan. The two have a relationship because- Callahan was Zach Taylor's uh, coach at Nebraska when Taylor was the quarterback there right now. Callahan's the interim coach of Washington. I don't think he's going to do a good enough job to basically get that full time job. So it could, it could relatively be that he's on the free agent market as a coach. And if Taylor sees Callahan as the upgrade over Turner, that could be something that happens. And again, it really depends on the relationship going forward between Zach Taylor and Jim Turner. But you know, Callahan will be available, should be available this offseason. Unlike what he was last year, when he was still under contract with with the with Washington, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, and it goes back to my previous point. I just think this staff needs to so, some elements of this staff need to be replaced with. People who have extensive experience, and and potentially even NFL head coaching experience. So, Bill Callahan makes some sense. He's been a college head coach and a pro head coach. I think he was the head coach of the Raiders when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to John Gruden's Buccaneers. So, I mean, he's yeah. he had granted he took Gruden's team that far, but the point remains. Um, I mean, this team this this coaching staff needs some some experience and some valuable experience, and I think that's what's missing. At least this year. Let's uh, let's get out of here, man. Uh, yeah. It's it's been a long one. A lot of phone calls. It's been a great one, though. A lot of interaction. We we charged through a ton of of stuff. Appreciate all of the the questions and comments. We tried to get to as many as possible. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. As I mentioned, you can get this the audio version of this show on a number of different platforms. Basically, wherever you get your podcast, you can also get the video cast on YouTube and cincyjungle.com. If we didn't get to your question, you can still submit them to us because oftentimes we get them to the, we get, you know, we try and get to them to the next listener questions episode if they are pertinent that week. So, uh, you know, keep sending them our way. We do check all kinds of different mediums and everything for that. So uh, keep sending them our way. Thanks, John. Uh, any big plans for the weekend, my friend?
1: None to speak of. I- oh, wait, big plans actually, um, raking, raking, the leaves at grandma's house on Sunday instead of watching the Bengals game. So that should be fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Good. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know. I may get an early jump on, uh, some Christmas lights or something on my house. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. we will see. Nothing special. Nothing special for me. That's, that's, uh,
1: it's
0: because I'm the unattractive host of the two here that's
1: dude the Bengals don't have anything
0: interesting going on this weekend either so we're good (laughs) yeah by the way by the way they play the Raiders in case anybody's wondering so um yeah thanks for tuning in everybody we'll we'll see you next time you can um join us for listener questions we do these almost every week on usually on Friday afternoons. so try and join us for that otherwise we have our weekly show Wednesday evenings and other shows within the Cincy Jungle podcast channel uh are on there so check out everything we've got Appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next time.